I'm going to be preaching about love again. Last week we looked at uh, Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 39 or verse 40. And uh, what does God want from us? He desires that we would love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. And I'm thankful for that kind of love that God has for us. You know, this morning, God loves you. And I don't know who was in charge of scheduling things, but last, last week, we had the Super Bowl on Sunday and Valentine's Day on Monday. I hope everybody survived. There was uh, one husband. They said, you know, I married my wife for her looks. Not the one she gives me, but for her looks. I hope that's not you. All right. Matthew chapter 22, the Bible says, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. We noticed last week there's three things about God's, about our love that God desires from us. Number one, God wants our love to be personal. And I trust this morning that you spent some time with the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Uh, he's one that's done more for you than anyone else. He loves you more than anyone else. He cares for you more than anyone else. And uh, he's with you at all times. We don't have to be good for God to love us. He loves us the way we are. Secondly, our love ought to be passionate. Now, God just doesn't want us to love him. He wants us to love him with all our hearts. He wants all of us. If he has all our heart and all our emotions and our mind, he has all of us. Thirdly, that love needs to be a priority. This is the first and great commandment. Jesus wants to be number one in our lives. Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, we're afraid of that. We want our needs to be met first. God says, you put me first, and I'll take care of every need that you have. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great chapter on love. And we're going to look at some of the uh, verses this morning. We're going to unpack what God has to say about real love this morning. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, Or despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Aren't you thankful this morning that God loves us? And it's the goodness of God that should lead us to repentance. Have you ever strayed from God and instead of getting zapped, he blessed you? That's how God is. God's a loving God. Now, Jesus desires for unity in the church and harmony. The only way that comes is through Christian love. In your home, he, God desires that you have unity and that you have harmony. Only way it comes is through love. Now, the devil and he's really working today. He desires us to divide and he wants to destroy us. The only thing that will win is love. The main evidence of the fact that you are maturing the world word is that you love God. 
1 Corinthians 13, we'll look at a couple of these verses this morning. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, had not charity, I am become as sounding brass or as a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, had not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, had not charity, it profited me nothing. Charity, or Jesus, suffereth long. Jesus is kind. Charity, or Jesus envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I'm so thankful this morning that you are on the throne. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that uh, you are in control of all things. And I'm thankful that you love us with an everlasting love. And Lord, I ask this morning as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that you would speak to each one of our hearts. Lord, thank you for working in my heart in the area of love. Lord, how we are commanded to love others the way that you love us. Lord, what's missing today in our lives and in our church, in our country, is true biblical love. And Father, I pray that you'll do work in each of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was in college a long time ago, uh, there were several jobs I had when I was in college. One, I worked at McKay Nurseries. And the best job I had was uh, working as a UPS worker. But I had a job at Pinkerton Security Guards, and a Pinkerton Security uh, Organization. How many have heard of Pinkerton Security? Okay, many of you, all right. Growing up, I read The Three Investigators, The Hardy Boys, and I thought, wow, I could become a real police officer. I remember there was a guy named Mike Wozniak, and he asked me if I wanted to work for Pinkerton. I said, sure. And so he had me come over to his office, and he uh, asked me what size I was. They gave me a, a coat, and they gave me a couple shirts and a tie. It was a clip-on. And they gave me some pants and a badge and a clock. And uh, they didn't give me a gun. They gave me a clock. And this clock had to weigh about 10, 15 pounds. There was a leather strap that went around your neck. And what you would do, you would go through a factory or a hospital and uh, you would find these keys in the wall and you would put them into the clock and turn them. And I'm thinking to myself, now what if I see a bad guy? They didn't give me a gun. What am I supposed to do, clock him? <laughs> so one of my first places I worked was in Waukesha, Wisconsin. It was about 45 minutes away from me. It was called Generac. And uh, Generac was a place that made generators. And I would drive there, and it was a great job because you could study for about 40, 45 minutes. You got paid for studying. Then you went around the factory, and uh, uh, you'd find these uh, uh, keys in the wall, and you would push them in your clock, and uh, uh, they would know that you were going on rounds. But what I liked about the job in Milwaukee, I'd get off at like 6 o'clock in the morning, and I would be driving down 94. Now, 94 is an interstate like 74. Remember, I'm in this car, a green hornet, all right, and I have a 
cap on that was a policeman's cap. I had my uh, uh, badge on, and it was so funny because I'm driving uh, the speed limit, and all of a sudden some car would try to pass me, and they'd look over at me, and they'd slow down and go behind me. And sometimes I'd have like 10 cars behind me, and I'd go a little bit slower on purpose. Nobody would pass me. Well, one of the places I worked was called Carnation. They didn't make breakfast bars. They made dog food. And so the, I remember the guy was training me there, and he gave me um, some instructions. He said, I'm going to teach you where the keys are. And I went around with him in a large plant in uh, Jefferson, Wisconsin. And as I was going around, we came into this room, and it stunk really, really bad. In fact, I put my finger over my nose and I closed my nose. Oh, what? It stinks. What he said to me? What? I said, that smell, what is it? He said, what smell? I said, it stinks in here. And so we got into the room and they had these big vaults and uh, uh, they had some, um, this, all kinds of machinery. And then I noticed uh, on the floor, there were six boxes. And on the side of the boxes it said, not edible for human consumption. And on the bottom of it, uh, the bo- bottom box, uh, there was some fluid coming out of the bo- bottom of it. And I said, gross, what is that? He says, I think it's horse parts. I said, oh. Well, I had been working there for about six months. And um, uh, what I would do before I would go in that room, I would hold my nose and my breath, and I would find that key and get out of there. And um, it was like six months later, I was supposed to train another security guard. And so we're going through, and I'm showing where the keys are, and we go into this room, and he goes, oh, what is that smell? You know what I said? What smell? <laughs> no, I got used to it. You know, in life, we get used to different things. And folks, one thing we can get used to is the lack of love. And our attitudes can stink before Almighty God. And before the world, it stinks. In our homes, a lack of love stinks. My message this morning is entitled, Does Your Love Need a Tune-Up? And it's easy for us to say, no, I don't need a tune-up. As I was studying this message, I realized God says, your love needs a tune-up. God doesn't say hate less. He says, I want you to love. Now, every person in this auditorium, we can love more than we are right now. God wants us to love him. God wants us to love our neighbors. God wants us to love our spouse, our children. God wants us to love people in this church. God wants us to be loving. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, the Bible says, and walk in love. What that tells me, don't just love for a little bit. Don't just love somebody because you like them. You love everybody. Walk in love. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, 15, speaking the truth in love. And so first of all, we see the preeminence of love. God says above everything else, we need to be loving. In fact, he says, if you're not loving, you're just a loud noise, irritating noise. 
Notice with me in verse 1. Though, he says, I speak with the tongues of men. What does that mean? It means that you can know every language there is. And if you've ever traveled before, it's important to know other languages. I remember one time we went up to Canada and uh, everyone was speaking French. And uh, I mean, you, f- you knew you were in a foreign country. The only thing bad is when they look at you and they talk and you don't understand what they're saying. They're laughing. I mean, that's like, you, you wonder, wonder, wonder what I did. When I was in Israel, it was hard to understand people. God says, if you're able to speak other languages, every language, but you don't have love, you're a loud noise. You could be the greatest speaker. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. What is Paul referring to when he says tongues of angels? He said, if you're eloquent in your speaking. You know, there's some people, they just grab you with their speaking. They have amazing speaking ability. He said, if you're the world's greatest speaker, but if you don't have love, what is he saying? Have that charity. I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now, we have all heard feedback before. And uh, that's when Jordan really wakes up is when there's some feedback in the uh, speaker system. And I, I see people grabbing their ears and I see people making a funny face. Folks, it's not good. It's not fun listening to that. The other day I was uh, at Chase Bank and my wife went in and I heard this loud noise. It was irritating. And my wife got into the car and she said, do you hear that narrow noise? I said, how can you not hear it? She said, it's come from that car. They have some music on it. I mean, you can see the car just shaking. And I think the pavement was shaking. It was irritating. What God says to us, if we don't have love, we are irritating. God says that. If you don't have love, you're irritating. You can have the greatest knowledge, verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. So God says you can have the greatest knowledge in the world. You know all mysteries. You're able to predict the future. Uh, Instead of uh, Googling things, you already know the answer. God says you can know all these things, but without love you're nothing. The greatest faith, and though I have all faith, and then I could remove mountains, have that charity, I am nothing. Now, I don't say that. God says that. You're nothing. I'm nothing without true biblical love. Imagine if you had that kind of faith. Say, mountain be moved, and the mountains moved. You can be the greatest giver. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. That's impressive. Does he keep back his favorite coin collection? All his goods to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So God says you can have all these things. You can be the greatest giver. Have the uh, world's greatest knowledge. Be the greatest speaker. But if you don't have love, you have nothing. Now let's unpack what he has to say in verses 4 through 7. The practice of love. We see the preeminence of love above everything else. He says you need to have love. Now what does the Bible say? God is love. Why did he leave us on this earth? Because he wants us to be loving. Now you think about your own life right now. Are you loving? 
First of all, the practice of love. Love is patient. And I found out years ago when my wife was inside the house and she was curling her hair and I'm out in the car, I found out it doesn't pay to rev up the engine. It doesn't pay. It doesn't pay to honk the horn. It doesn't pay to turn the car around in the driveway. Because when she comes out, she is not a happy camper. Then I'm not a happy camper. I start thinking about that. Love is patient. Am I thinking about myself or was I thinking about her? I was thinking about myself. Charity suffereth long. Real love puts up with things. Real love never retaliates. You see, when a mother loves her baby, she can put that baby down in the crib at night. And it could be 2 o'clock in the morning, that baby will cry, even though that mother is inconvenient. She gets up. She'll change that baby's diaper. She'll rock that baby. She'll feed that baby. Uh, Whatever that baby needs, she is there to help that baby. Real love is patient. Real love is not annoyed by other people. Think about your love this morning. Love is patient. Love doesn't simply practice patience. It is patient. Do you ever get irritated with others? You don't like how they act or how they respond or how they treated you. If you retaliate, you don't really love like God tells you to. I remember talking to a couple years ago and they've been married for 60 years. I said, what is the secret? He said to me, a lot of forgiveness. A lot of forgiveness. Because love is patient. A love would rather be inconvenient and doesn't get, ex, ex, get upset. What about when you're in traffic? Now in Champaign, we don't have traffic unless there's a storm. But you're in Chicago or Atlanta or you're in some big city and you're sitting in traffic. Do you get annoyed? I mean, most of our life we spend waiting Many times we wait on God. But I'm thankful that God's always perfect in his time. He's never late. Patience suffers injustice with graciousness. So patience is when someone is mean to me, I'm not going to return evil for evil. Because God says not to do that. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't treat us that way? Aren't you thankful that God, when we mess up, he doesn't zap us? He forgives us. He gives us another chance. God doesn't love us because we're special. He simply loves us because he loves us. 1 John 4.19, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. Love has a long fuse. Vernon McGee said this about love. Love is long burning. Does someone irritate you? Love them. Someone annoy you? Love them. Does someone hurt you? Love them. Love is patient. 
You'll never be ready to do right. You see, you know, Pastor, at this point, I'll get to that point someday in my life. You will never get to that point. You will never feel like loving. Loving is not a feeling. It's a decision to do right. Love never says, I've had enough. Have you ever said that? Maybe with your kids. I've had enough. And then you get upset. And you start yelling at them and say, now don't yell. Love is patient. Love is, number two, is kind. Not just to your friends. You're kind to everyone for no reason at all. Love is kind. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Just as patience will take anything from others, kindness will give anything to others. Love is kind. Kindness does does things for other people for no reason at all. And we're really like God when someone hurts us and we're kind to them. That's real love. That's what God says. God says to love. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. God's not saying, I want you to have less hatred. He's saying, I want you to have more love. Is your love patient? Is your love kind? You're not going anywhere with God until you love. You want to grow in the Lord? You're not going to grow unless you love. You're going to be stuck where you are spiritually. You're not going to be growing until you really, really love. Now, how can you be kind? You can help somebody carry their groceries. You can open a door for someone. Uh, There's a lot of things we can do. You can send a card to someone. God expects us to be kind. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, the Bible says, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. You know, someone that isn't loving and full of hate, they're going to dig up dirt on you. And folks, if people dig enough, they're going to find dirt on us. Aren't you glad God doesn't do that? He forgives us. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Kindness recognizes that everyone has burdens, and everyone is carrying a heavy load. Like, I I don't know what's going on in your life, but I do know this. We all have trials. And God wants us to be loving and kind. Romans 2, 4, Or despise thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It's God's love for us that should cause us and motivate us to love him in a greater way. And the area that we need to show this kind of love is at home. That means men... After a long, hard day at work and you come home and you don't want to be bothered, and what do you do? You sit down on your favorite couch and you, uh, or chair and you get out the, the remote and, uh, or you grab the newspaper and you don't want to be bothered. Real love is kind. Real love is willing to help your wife in the kitchen. I found this out. When you help her with the meal, the meal tastes much better. 
And you don't need a special license to run a vacuum cleaner. They're not hard to run. And you can dust and you can help her set the table. Folks, that's kindness. It's not loving self because we automatically love self. It's loving others. Are you demonstrating that kind of kindness to others? Because you can say, I, I love everyone, but do you? Are you, are you patient? Are you kind? Number three, love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Now, what is jealousy? Jealousy is, I want what you have. There's another side to jealousy. I don't want you to have what you have. I mean, there are some people that get bent out of shape because God's blessed you, they think, and you don't have any problems, and uh, uh, your life is going good, and I don't want you to have what you're having. What you're saying is, I really don't want God to bless you. It's against God. Jealousy. Charity envieth not. Envy comes in different shapes. It's a green-eyed monster. It will destroy you. Joseph's brothers were jealous of Joseph and they tried to kill him. Eve was jealous that God didn't give her everything she wanted and she fell into sin. Jealousy will destroy you. Real love doesn't resent someone who gets more than you have. How's your love this morning? You see, jealousy is not a harmless sin. Real love never says, why do they seem to have good things happening to them when they are so wicked? We become little judges in our minds. We become little gods. We, we begin to judge people and say, why, why is God blessing them? And why isn't God blessing me? Because we don't have all the facts. We don't know what's really going on in the hearts. Number four, love does not brag. Now what bragging does, you're trying to get them to want what you have. Love does not brag. Don't you hate it when you're around someone that brags all the time? And they're telling you how good they are and how great their kids are. And you know what? People aren't really concerned about your kids or your grandkids. You might. Well, you, you, you're not going to believe it. My grandchild started walking at this many months old. And, and they're going to make the Olympics someday. And you're like, you're right. My kid's so smart, he could say his name at the age of, you know, two months or three months. Uh, and one time he said, it sounded like dad. I'm not sure, but it sounded like dad. And, and, you know, everybody's proud of their kids. Folks, people are interested in how great your kids are, your grandkids are. Love does not brag. Charity suffereth long. It is kind. Charity envieth not. Vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. In the Greek language, when it says not vaunteth up, it refers to windbag. That's why the Bible says, don't boast about you, let somebody else talk about you. 
Name dropping is a big thing. I, I you know, well, I know certain certain a certain certain evangelists. I, I know a Bible college president. I, I know this person. I know the mayor. Like one group of kids got together and one guy said, teenagers, and he says, My dad knows the mayor. He says, well, my dad knows the police chief. Another kid said, my dad knows the governor. Fourth kid's going, oh, man, what did I say? He said, my dad knows God. You can't get higher than that. Matthew chapter 23, verse 6. And love the uppermost rooms of feast and the chief seats in the synagogues. You know, folks, if we talk about someone who is great, Let's glory in God. Because you have what you have because of God. If you have a great job, it's because of God. If you have an outgoing personality, it's because of God. We're nothing apart from God. And we ought to glory in God. 1 Corinthians one thirty one. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. In Psalm chapter 44, verse 6, In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever and ever. You see, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be tainted by sin. That corrupts every part of us. Our physical, our mental, our social, our emotional. We're going to praise God for all eternity. And Jesus Christ is going to have the nail prints in his hands. Why? To remind us that we're there because he died for us. And everything you have, you have because of the glory of God. There's not such a thing as a self-made man. Take God out of the equation and you're nothing. And so what Jesus is saying The greatest thing that you can have is love. We're commanded to love others as God loves us. Now why do we send love from others when God loves us? And as I mentioned last week, a way to find out if we really love God is two things. We'll keep His commandments and we'll love other Christians. We can all say this morning, oh, I love God so much, but do we really love God? Do we really love our fellow man? It was back in 2006, and uh, God allowed us to have a great revival meeting. It was supposed to last four days, but it went 13. And there was a lady named Mary Ball that uh, went out east to uh, live for a while, and she came back after the revival, and she met me in the hallway one time, and she said, Pastor, I can tell that this church has experienced revival. And really, I thought she was going to say, because people are going to prayer meetings. She didn't say that. I thought, well, maybe she'll say something about the singing. The singing is a lot louder. She didn't say anything about that. I thought maybe she'd say something about the church attendance, because the church attendance was better. She didn't say anything about that. I thought maybe she had read the bulletin and the giving was a lot higher than it used to be. She didn't say anything about that. You know what she said to me? She said, Pastor, 
People are loving in this church. What does Jesus say? By this shall all men know that we are his disciples, by our love one for another. Now, folks, this morning, don't be thinking in your mind, well, if so-and-so would be more loving. No, starts with you. God's speaking to you this morning. Are you patient? Are you kind? Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. You see, the answer to our country's problems is not in the White House. It's in the church house. Folks, God desires for every one of us to be loved and to love. You say, well, so-and-so hurt It doesn't matter. Jesus is on the cross and he showed love and he was hurt more than anyone else has ever been hurt. 1 Corinthians 13, God says, Love is more important than all the money in the world. Love is more important than your personality. Love is more important than your knowledge. Love is more important than your talents, your feelings. Jesus said, love God and love others. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, as I was studying this message, the Lord spoke to my heart because love is kind. It's not natural for us to show love. It's supernatural for us to show love. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, no one looking around. How many would say with uplifted hand, Pastor, God spoke to my heart. I need to be more loving at home, at church, at work. Here's my hand. Please pray for me. Many, many hands all over this auditorium. You may put your hands down. You know what, folks? God left us on this earth to be loving. You want your relationship to change at home? Be loving. You see, God's a great forgiver because he's a great lover. If you're harboring bitterness in your heart, you're not loving. If you're not kind, you're not loving. If you don't cover transgressions, you're not loving. God desires for this church to be a loving church.